GM fam, we're back with the morning double shot. Uh, we've got EVM Nose as well as OXL Lunara, two of the most esteemed uh, brains within the Curve ecosystem, to talk about the big news that's been trickling out over the past 24 hours about the BIS and a consortium of banks potentially using Curve's V2 algorithm for their settlement technology. Uh, Nose, uh, why don't you take a second to introduce yourself? Yeah, so, um, yeah, well, I'm, uh, I'm Nose. Um, so probably... A few of the listeners uh, may already know me. I'm very active in the Convex and Curve community. I'm also part of the Lamarisk um, sub-DAO of Curve. We are uh, making like regular reports on uh, different stablecoin pools or um, derivatives, be it Bitcoin derivatives, Ethereum derivatives, and we try to assess like all sorts of various risks. Um, and we try to protect the liquidity providers from, yeah, making essentially making bad decisions, not making bad decisions. Um, and we, yeah, we we try to assess the risk also for the DAO because all of these pools that uh, that we assess, um, they usually go through a um, application process at the Curve DAO where one or more projects apply for Curve incentives. And um, so I would say this is the, the DeFi part and maybe um, a little bit, um, yeah, another background of me is, is, is TreadFi. So in 2021, I, uh, I quit TreadFi to go full-time into DeFi. And before that, I was uh, working in a, um, in, in, in a bigger bulge bracket bank in the area of payments, which is the reason I'm so fascinated about um, uh, TreadFi payments technology still to date um, at that time and I would say even still it's, it's not as exciting as DeFi and blockchains but uh, I'm still following along yeah so this would make you uniquely qualified to talk about this sort of intersection of DeFi and TreadFi going on right now yeah a, a little bit I would say I'm <laughs> humble uh, in that sense but, but uh, I'll try my best and uh, Alu, in case anyone missed the previous stream, you give us a brief background about yourself and where you fit into the Curve ecosystem? Yes, I am a HTML programmer and I've built uh, Curve dashboards, which provide information about bribes uh, for Convex. And as a side gig, I also run the union, which is a socialist experiment about congregating bribes to people. Excellent. Excellent. Um, so let's dive into it. EVM knows. How did you first hear about this? Is this just you've been following Project Mariana closely? Uh, we're like refreshing the site every five minutes waiting for the report. <laughs> like, how did this come yes. on your radar? So um, I've actually um, like um, seen the, there was a publication last year, I think, um, about Project Mariana being uh, like announced. And uh, in the announcement um, publication, there was uh, a graph that showed a multilateral pool um, that consists out of three assets and they were mentioning that they are looking into um, deploying such a pool on chain and, and to, to test this technology and when I, when I saw the graph I um, was already thinking that there's, there's only one DEX that provides uh, multilateral pools like pools with more than two assets um, which is Curve um, and at that point in time I knew they will probably um, or might use um, the, the Curve uh, AMMs and um, yeah, hence I've been following along but there haven't really been much announcements about that and um, 
when I was on LinkedIn yesterday, um, I was also following the the some people from the Bank of International Settlements. I I've seen the interim report, uh, which was released I don't know thirty minutes um, on the, on the LinkedIn timeline. And just decided to 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 summarize the, the findings and all this. Um, yeah, for the crypto Twitter space because it's yeah it's there probably have been other developments. Um, between TreadFi and, and and DeFi, but I think um, I would I would count this as um, more of the bigger ones, because uh, essentially the the previous experiments were involving private blockchains like uh, F3 uh, Corda, I think it's called, and uh, Stella, but it hasn't really been as exciting as as this announcement because now this this is an experiment that involves um, like the use of advanced smart contracts, which is, um, um, yeah, which may be, maybe the first of its kind for now, which is why I think it's, it's so exciting in that sense. Uh, amazing to also see that, uh, you know, LinkedIn scooped crypto Twitter on this one. <laughs> yeah. Talk- um, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 no go, you go, you go. <laughs> I'm curious to hear, like, um, from the TradFi perspective, can you talk a bit about the size of the market that is being attacked here? So this is the international settlements market, right? Mm, yeah. So I must admit I'm, I'm not familiar with, with the actual size, but um, the actually I've, I've, um, if I were to elaborate on um, what uh, Project Mariana is about, like, we, we first have to make a step back and understand the, the issues that exist in TradFi first before we get into what Project Mariana um, was uh, trying to solve. And I think for that, a good example is um, um, a cross-border payment. So let's say you are, you are a customer of, of a German bank and now you are in Turkey, in Istanbul, and you want to pay some merchant for um, a pair of shoes or whatever. Um, now. Like you, you, you put your credit card on the point of sale terminal and then you, you wait a little bit, but there's a lot of stuff happening in the background. And um, the merchant wants to be paid in, in Turkish lira, but you have uh, euros on your, on your bank. So when you hold your credit card against this POS um, terminal, the, like the credit card provider communicates with um, your bank and uh, basically tells them to now route the transaction towards the merchant, uh, towards the, the bank account of the merchant. But um, what is usually the case if you are abroad, as, as a, like as a foreigner, the, the merchant bank uh, doesn't necessarily have um, a central bank account uh, in, in, in the European space. So. The transaction has to go through a correspondence bank, which might be a bigger Turkish bank. And um, now I, I, I notice we have to make even one step back before that. So um, maybe you're familiar with the IBAN, so the International Banking Account Number. So there, one part of the um, of the number is your personal account number, and then there's the, the bank account number. And uh, the bank account number is the account number of your bank at the central bank and um, interestingly many people say um, that uh, yeah i have money in 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 the bank but actually you don't have any money you have uh, just a claim on your bank but uh, there's only two forms in um, 
which money can exist. One form is cash, like physical cash, and the other one is in, in central bank reserves. And um, yeah, so when, when you send money from bank A to B, the, the settlement happens between the central bank accounts of the commercial banks. Just as a, an excursus to, to understand um, those dynamics. And then, so yeah, you, you, you paid for the pair of shoes. Um, now what's happening is um, the transaction isn't settled immediately. It's, it's usually batched with lots of other transactions and then cleared within a period of two hours. And that happens, um, I don't know, three to eight times a day, depending on, on, uh, depending on the day. On a Friday, it's a little bit more, but um, usually they are batched and then settled between the central bank accounts of uh, like uh, of the cor in this case the correspondence bank which sits in between the merchant bank uh, the bank account of the merchant and your bank account so then in in like in, in the in the in this um, in this time frame between where like a, the german bank transfers the money to the bank account the central bank account of the correspondence bank there's a counterparty credit risk that uh, the correspond correspondence bank takes which sometimes like i'm not familiar with that process exactly but they, they hedge against the counterparty credit risk of the german bank and uh, this incurs costs then you have the foreign exchange risk in that one hour time frame um, the exchange rate between the lira and the euro could also change, so they hedge against this risk as well. And again, this incurs costs. Then the money is settled between the central bank account of your German bank and the central bank account of the correspondence bank. And then the correspondence bank dumps the euro for the Turkish lira, and then it sends the Turkish lira to the merchant's bank account. And um, in between like this time frame there's also a counterparty credit risk that the merchant bank account takes and they hedge against this risk as well which again incurs costs and all of those costs add up in uh, which is partly the reason why foreign like if, if, if you are like in a foreign country and, and you pay with a credit card it's it's uh, you get a shitty exchange rate when when you see it on your bank account statement and yeah, now we are getting into Project Mariana. Um, there... So actually, no. Yeah, okay. Before All you, right. yeah, yeah. before we get okay, into okay. Project Mariana, can I yeah. just summarize everything you said so we okay, can okay. make sure we're all on the same page? So yeah, yeah. it sounds like the way the system works today is like I go into a store and I pay with my credit card, and like from the user perspective, transaction over, I get my thing, my money yeah, yeah. is out, like good to go. But like what's actually happening in the background is, okay, first, like MasterCard is the one facilitating all this. But first, uh, like my bank account is uh, like money goes from my bank account to a, basically in order for my money to go from my bank account to the merchant, it needs to go through this ladder of like correspondent and intermediate banks so that you can mm -hmm. get up to the international level, get to this settlement layer and then bridge back down. So the money gets where it needs to go. And what you're saying is not only mm -hmm. is that very um, complicated and time intensive, but because of all of the duration counterparty FX uh, exposure, you have to take through this process and mm -hmm. therefore the hedges you need to take, it gets incredibly expensive. And so like, 
that's the problem and the situation we have today. Is that right? Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, correct. I also must say, like it, it maybe it was a little bit of a complex explanation. No, no, in, no. In reality, it's it it's even more complex. But um, <laughs> yeah, you 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 are. No, man, you explained it super well. It's just a really complicated um, process, and I want to make sure that we all understand it before we move on. Yeah, so, yeah. can you please explain to us Project Marinara Meatball, please? Okay. So, um, yeah, well, in in the in the case of Project Mariana, you have um, those central bank uh, reserves being tokenized on chain. So you have um, you have them as tokens on, let's say, on mainnet and um, the commercial banks are able to provide liquidity for one or multiple um, of those tokenized central bank reserves. They can deposit into the pool. And then, like, if, if we, again, pull out the example that I've mentioned where you, where you pay with your, uh, with your credit card, um, the process um, gets simplified and the process is also um, more or less being carried out atomically. So my German bank account would um, route the transaction not through this, those uh, traditional finance systems, but instead would swap through the pool, this wrapped euro CBD, uh, not sorry, not wrapped. It's based, it's, it's wrapped central bank's reserves, but the, the W, it's, uh, it's a bit confusing for us definitives, but the W means wholesale CBDC, which is um, like those central bank uh, reserves of the of the banks so um my german bank would dump this euro wholesale cbdc token through the pool get the turkish lira wrapped cbdc tokens which would then be transferred to the um to the on-chain account of the merchants bank and they would then redeem either directly at the um Turkish Central Bank, the the Volsi uh, CBDC tokens, or they might um, use um, like just uh, hold the, them. the process. Sorry, they might just hold them. Yeah, they might just 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 hold them. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 this, and this is also interesting. If 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 uh, user definitive read the the system, um, you might ask yourself why there are bridges between the like TradFi system and the the on-chain architecture, but um, they're so complex, um, the central banks, like you, you cannot really expect them to issue central banks reserve natively uh, on-chain. And in, in this case, it was a, um, it was just an experiment. So they, in a sense, they first have to build bridges and then at some point in the future, they might issue those central bank reserves natively so, yeah. so, so that you don't need bridges. But for now, you, you need them. And which is why they are separated in the, in the architecture you see in the interim paper. Yeah. Okay. So again, let me summarize and tell me mm -hmm. if we got this right. So mm -hmm. what this um, test was, was like, what we were trying to do is instead of having this super complicated process where we have two individuals and that are international in order to transfer, we have to do this process of laddering up to the international level where settlement happens letting them do the banks and then letting it ladder down. What this new system does is say, the central banks are gonna issue reserves and put them in curve pools directly. So that like when people need to get these reserves so they can swap, um, instead of having to go through all these intermediate steps, they can just access the, this um, 
the reserves directly through a curve pool. And that like this like 30 step process, which requires a ton of hedging and counterparty mm -hmm. risk um, gets collapsed down to like basically one swap into a foreign currency reserve, exactly. a swap into your new foreign currency reserve, and then a swap out of like into real fiat. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. This was uh, perfectly correct, except for one point, the liquidity providers in, in, in the uh, Project Mariana setup are not the central banks, but um, it's it's commercial banks. So they yeah. they have their central bank reserves, which they then tokenize and then put into the pool. So they, um, yeah, they are the liquidity providers in, in, in that case. Perfect. So, okay, without getting into like the real details of how the system works, because it's not worth anyone's time. But um, like when I hear this construction, like I, it, it makes me think a lot about how the American treasury market works and how there's like prime dealers and how like essentially the government works in like very close partnership with these private entities to express these like financial instruments into the market. And so is there any, how many parallels do you see with this new bank of international settlements construction and the relationship between central banks and private banks? Um, do you do you find this to be like a new construction, or do you find it just to be like kind of um, like a new feature on like what we how the way the world already works? Um, yeah, Basically, I would say it's yeah for, for for the for the end consumers they and also this is maybe more of a general statement, but uh, I think in like ten years down the road the end consumers uh, won't even notice what. Uh, <laughs> happens in the background of what have what has changed in the background so for them what they might observe is just uh, cheaper cross-border transactions so you're not paying one and a half percent extra when you pay something abroad but it's being brought down to 0.2 percent maybe even less and um, so in in that sense i would see it not as a new future for like it's not a new primitive Mm -hmm. It's maybe a new primitive in the sense of technology, but not in the same in the sense of uh, delivering the value. If 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 you know what yes. I mean. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Can I ask something about uh, notes when you say they that they token that the central banks uh, tokenize it and uh, uh, like uh, give it to the commercial banks like. They tokenize it as what? Like, are they creating the official uh, first CBDC, or they are tokenizing it as a token that we know? Like, what exactly does it mean that they tokenize? Okay, so um, the, the the central bank accounts, um, they are you can you can imagine them as as, as a normal bank account that you are already uh, familiar with. So, if you log into your online banking, you see there's there's numbers and there's an account number, and to that account number this much euros are mapped mapped to and so when when i'm uh, saying tokenized tokenized in the sense that um let's say a bank had 100 million euros as uh, like central bank reserves they can then like the like you could say i want to tokenize 10 million so 10 million gets deducted from the central bank reserves account of the of the bank and then they get 10 million in Volse CBDC tokens on chain. So in fact, nothing changed on the on the balance sheet. It's just the like what is what is uh, different is that 90 million sits in this classical TradFi system, and 10 million is uh, on chain. But 
essentially you still have 100 million in central bank reserves. What I mean is, uh, uh, this is on-chain as, uh, as a new CBDC, not as a, a token that we know now, for example. Um, no, no, it's, it's an ERC-20 ERC like ERC token, so not, nothing... Yeah, ERC-20 yeah. token, but for example, like, like they're not choosing USDC or whatever, they're, they're going to uh, put like, the, new, the new dollar that they issue, correct? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's their own ERC-20 contract, yes. Yeah, but it's to be clear, uh, like... There's a, there's a tangible difference between like bank reserves and currency. And so just by like tokenizing bank reserves and putting them out there, that's not the same as issuing yes. CBDC. Yes, that's, that's true. That's Can you true. maybe expand on that? Yeah. Well, like, for example, like what a bank reserve is, is an asset in a bank that could be cash, that could be money, that could be treasuries. Like your bank reserves could be real estate, you know? Um, and so like when you tokenize bank reserves and you put it on chain, what you're essentially saying is like, let's say you tokenize a hundred million dollars of bank reserves. And then you put a hundred million of these tokens out there. What you're saying is that represents the value in the bank, but that doesn't necessarily mean like if you take one token, that equals $1. But, there, but, but if you divide something into like, uh, so for example, uh, what kind of other tokens can they do? Like, why wouldn't they do it as, uh, if they do it in like uh, in dollars, why wouldn't they tokenize it as dollars? If you know? Well, because they're not trying to create a currency. Like they're trying to create this like token pool for this very specific like construction of international settlement. And so um, like you could easily... Like a, a way to create a CBDC is to tokenize bank reserves and then put them out there and then tell people that if you take your tokenized bank reserves and send it to us, we'll burn it and give you a dollar. Like, and, and then like now we're starting to get into a big question of like, well, what even is a currency? Is ETH a currency? Like is Bitcoin a currency? And like, you know, so like we're getting like pedantic here. The, the only thing that's important to know is that like this construction is not about like issuing a CBDC and like creating a currency for people to use on chain. It's about creating liquidity pools that are backed by like, you know, pillars of the financial economy. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, there's, like, we're just like there's, lost in the words now. <laughs> there's there's uh, one thing maybe uh, like where it makes sense to elaborate. So um, usually like, um, like banks are allowed to leverage. So if they ha have, 100 million in reserves they are allowed to um to to have like like uh, a billion in 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 deposits so you don't need to so the actual money is is um only sitting in central bank accounts and is available in the form of cash so a bank could have one million in deposits and but only a hundred thousand um in central bank reserves so and and if you look at at uh, circle for example, I mean, God, maybe that's a bad, uh, <laughs> it's maybe a bad comparison because uh, UCC is also backed by um, like treasury bills and sorts of like like all other multiple different uh, assets. But um, like let's say you are maybe a good example is you you, you create um, you create a bank. You could have hundred thousand in in in, in central bank reserves, but then you have um, one million in, like in deposits, and those deposits you can you could tokenize them. But if everybody would 
try to transfer them, for example, um, to a different um, to a different bank. There's not enough um, like liquidity in the central bank reserves to be able to meet the redemption demands of the one million in in, in tokens or deposits. So there's a yeah, there's definitely a difference in in in, in a way like what USDC or USDT are. I mean, USDC is pretty transparent, but um, yeah. So this is um, there, yeah. there's a distinction. In, yeah, just in, to like just to like drive this home particularly, right? Like you could have the uranium bank, and they don't hold one single dollar. All they do is hold uranium, but that has like a value, right? And you could say like, okay, there's a hundred million dollars of uranium and we're going to issue uranium backed tokens and they're going to be on chain and people can do stuff with them. But like that doesn't make it money, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, D advisor, you're on mute. I'm sorry. I'm just saying if I understand you correctly, the fact it's like an asset, the fact that it's worth something doesn't mean it's actual money. Yeah. Yes. And then, and then you can get like super out there and have a conversation about like, well, what is money? And like, maybe just because it has value, it is money. And but, but like point is, is that from like the label of CBDC, which we think of like the government putting money on chain for people or businesses to use, like this is much more like, okay, we're creating a specific asset for international settlement. And like, that's what it is. Cool. So, um, man, we definitely got stuck down that rabbit hole, but um, so knows that where that started was, or I guess where that rabbit hole started was I um, just summarized up like what the project, um, Mar wait, what is it? The Mariana, wait, Mariana, Mariana, Mariana um, is basically using crypto to replace the um, like the tearing up you need to do in order to do international settlements. Um, is there any other piece of the uh, construction that we haven't talked about or um, just need to clarify? Yeah, so, I mean, for now, it was just an interim report um, laying out the details. There will be another report being released this year um, with a lot of, like, a lot more details. But um, there's, um, yeah, it's... it's it's, yeah. Uh, there's 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 no more details uh, actually. So um, <laughs> there's a disclaimer also in uh, in the uh, international settlements paper that says that it's not an endorsement of uh, like the actual protocol. And um, what might happen is um, that like in, I, I've seen a few people speculating on Twitter um, if if uh, if this what what does this mean for Curve. Um, I would say no, like nobody knows what this uh, actually means, but uh, you could you can imagine that maybe they fork off the contracts and um, remove the fee. So, um, but then you have the issue of, of copyright. As far as I know, the the AMM contracts are under the copyright of the I think it was Swiss stake uh, legal entity in Switzerland. Um, so maybe this will mean something uh, for the DAO, maybe not. Maybe they will implement their own contracts and um, change it up a little bit. Um, we can only speculate for now what this could mean. Yeah. But um, it's um, certainly a validation um, for, um, the, the, like for, for Curve in the sense that um, they might wanted to use a solution that maybe did not involve active uh, liquidity provision with because like curve 2 is, is um, 
a very good passive product that um, banks can like plug in into their um, existing systems easily. Yeah. And um, yeah, th this is the way I would I would look at it. Yeah, the way I like to think about it is like in science, there's theory and experiment, and about half the breakthroughs come from like experimenting. Um, if Mitch hadn't launched TriCrypto a few years ago on chain and kind of worked out all the bugs and shown that this can work um, in you know tremendous uh, fashion with incredibly volatile assets, um, then there probably wouldn't have been the experimental evidence to convince the BIS and other banks that this algorithm is actually robust and unique and in my opinion, like Nobel Prize worthy. <laughs> no, that's Nobel Prize is centralized. We don't give a shit about them. <laughs> no, but you're, I think I think you're. First of all, there's this book called um, like I forget. It's the book we're supposed to be reading, Garrett. But it's essentially like the um, the whole concept is that like the um, like human innovation comes out of play and comes out of just like experiments and like we we do stuff and like we don't really understand why we're doing it we just like create capabilities and then someone comes along later and realizes like oh if you take this thing from mitch and you take this thing from you know what mastercard built and you put them all together you get magic and you know like i just think that whatever happens here whether the bank of international settlements like actually enters the curve wars and buys a bunch of convex and starts bribing or even if like on the other side of the spectrum, like not only is this like a fork on a private chain that doesn't touch Ethereum, but like even worse, they screw Mitch out of like the copyright and they just take all his stuff and nobody gets any money. Like at the end of the day, we need to remember we're here for two reasons. One are the ideological things around decentralization and anti-government or like whatever. But the other is the technology. <laughs> like the actual capabilities that are provided by what we're doing and say what you will about the politics, everything else. But like what this story is, is the bank of international settlements realizing like, Oh, the system we have is like shitty and doesn't work and like is bad. And there's like better options out there. And so that's what I see. And the book is the dawn of everything, a new history of humanity by David Graeber and David Wengrow for people who like reading. Yeah, I knew there was Don in there, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, uh, I just, I think this is like incredibly bullish for like the most important thing, which is like on top of the, or, sorry, under the community, under the narratives, under the money, is there something real here? And like the people who don't have a stake are saying like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I mean, for years, we've had to hear people say, like, there's no real innovation in DeFi. It's just people putting TradFi concepts on chain. But here we have a concept that doesn't exist in TradFi. There's nothing like this, like, passive LP AMM. Uh, so, of course, when the big brains at the BIS, because there are very big brains that are studying this, uh, they look at it and they say, yeah, this is something we've never seen before. Like, this is going to massively reduce costs. It's a no-brainer. Yeah. And we just went through like kind of the credit card route on this, but I've told this story on stream before, but it's really relevant right now. So I'll say it again. Um, I used to work in like the treasury department of Anheuser-Busch and like we would regularly do multi-billion dollar wires. And so like if you do a multi-billion dollar wire, you want to know what happens? First of all, your boss and the CFO pulls up a chair and sits right behind you and stares over your shoulder until the wire clears. But what happens is like for that amount of money, it takes like somewhere between like four and eight hours. You start the transaction and 
like every 10 minutes, the CFO will say, Rex, what, where is it? Where's the money? And you call the bank and what they say is, I don't know what to fucking tell you. It's with like the correspondence banks. Like we, there's no way for us to tell you when it's going to settle. Like it's going to happen. Like get off my back. And um, like, you know, I, you can probably do better than that. Like we were running a very specific type of ship at Anheuser-Busch. But the point is, is that like the systems we have today are so much jankier than anyone who's not like directly working with them realizes. And like one of the biggest reasons I'm bullish in crypto is like forget the freedom and forget the censorship resistance and like all that stuff. It's just better. But uh, like like you say, it, it's better. But us as like normal people, we don't uh, want uh, like it's about how it improves our own life, like our small lives. You know what I mean? And that's the fact that uh, it's better. And I think it's uh, quite a long process that uh, is going to create all kinds of ups and downs in the way. But uh, I think that. Uh, I don't know. This is the, like uh, the most bullish in my mind. The most bullish story about uh, DeFi in a very long while. To to have like these are the most serious entities that can look at uh, crypto. No, like is there any um, other entity that is more serious about uh, money than the BIS that can uh, start exploring this kind of stuff uh, and uh, trying with them? Like I, I don't know. Yeah. Does it get yeah. any better than that? JP Morgan. And JP Morgan is finance and they've got like, like everyone who matters is playing in this game. And I just like, you got to remember that when you're reading about Gary Gensler. Also the bank of international settlements, I believe is based in uh, Switzerland. I might be wrong about that. Um, and the Swiss law on cryptos and the regulatory, like um, the ability to come to regulatory compliance in Switzerland is much easier than the United States. So it's like not out of the question that even if they don't do this like on curve, like that they can feel in, like that they can build on chain and actually experiment on chain. Because we've seen some banks do this like on test nets. Yeah. yeah. And again, like <clears throat> Morgan today has a consortium of banks that are running billions of dollars of repo transactions on their Onyx blockchain, which is literally just a private version of Ethereum. And, you know, like... Maybe there's a world in which like there's two separate worlds, the private and the public and like whatever. But if like I, my, I really believe that Ethereum is just the better solution and it's inevitable that all these private chains will remain permission, but will still settle to Ethereum. And like that's the world that we're building. And I think um, I'm like, please, JP Morgan, Bank of International Settlements, everyone just come. Yeah. Um, by the way, there's an, uh, there's a. Uh... You mentioned something good. There's another perspective uh, if you look at it. So if uh, we are talking about cross-border transactions that maybe go like from Europe to, I don't know, Saudi Arabia, China, uh, Hong Kong and uh, whatnot. So it there's, there's um, this um, point of resilience. So you could certainly use private blockchains offered by a centralized or maybe a few centralized entity uh, entities that are located in one geographical area but if you were to estimate or ass uh, sorry assess the resilience of um, using this private blockchain you would quickly come to the conclusion that it's not fit for um yeah for for those international settlements because 
um, anything could happen in one geographical area and you wouldn't want your I don't know, central bank reserves being um, <laughs> not being settled because you had um, outages in, in, I don't know, one or more um, cloud providers that are like those private banks are using for the infrastructure of the private blockchain. And then, um, yeah, one of the last options or the, the, the single best uh, option is, is Ethereum, which has proven its resilience over multiple years now. And then... Um, even if they don't use like Curve, and even if the Curve DAO doesn't really directly benefit from it, um, there's this um, increasing demand for block space, which results in increasing demand for Ethereum, which then results in Ethereum rising in value, which then results in, because Curve is mainly traded against ETH, uh, resulting in all other DeFi coins um, uh, also rising in value. and. Um, this is a good different perspective um like yeah. uh, that is uh, bullish in any case for um, oh, yeah. our entire ecosystem and you can imagine they're not going to release a factory so once people get used to trading on curve v2 pools through and know that it's trusted for handling multi-billions or trillions of dollars they might be comfortable launching their own curve v2 pool because they see an easy factory there yeah, and sorry, just to go back to what Nose was saying, it's this isn't only about resilience to like server outages. To be clear, like especially if you're Russian, Afghani, Iranian, Venezuelan, like it's also like you like we have entered a much more like volatile world in which like geopolitics are reaching directly into like foreign re currency reserves and bank accounts and stuff. And so like part of why I like really believe that Ethereum is inevitable is not only does it provide these routes around uh, technology failure, but it provides like the ability for humans to like live and thrive and like survive in a world that um, where bank accounts are just being, or sorry, bank reserves are just being swiped from countries left and right. <laughs> Like, yeah, wild. Yeah. yeah, in that sense, it's uh, also geopolitically um, a better mm -hmm. option to have a neutral, um, a neutral ground for, for like, our monetary system, financial system. But the current system, um, it already works, and uh, countries are exchanging currencies, and uh, transactions are being settled. How neutral is that at the moment? Is that the SWIFT thing? We well, there's basically like the, there's two systems. There's like the, um, the Western system and then the everything else system. Yeah. And the Western system is essentially like the four guys in the Treasury Fed in the White House decide like if you're allowed to be in here or not. And then the other system is like how much muscle and money do you have to operate in the, in the shadows? <laughs> yeah, because I'm trying to um, um, I'm trying to come up with a worst case scenario. So. Let's say that if they use Ethereum and they're going to use maybe Curve, maybe Uniswap, maybe Balancer, who the hell knows, they're mm -hmm. going to issue their wrapped digital currency. They'll still want to have the option uh, for blacklists and disabled trading. So even if it is on Ethereum and even if it is on a public mainnet, they'll probably still have the ability to block entire countries trading their tokens if they want to, I think. Yeah, I mean... I, I think that the magic of Ethereum is it provides every single one of us a rage quit option. Like from our like 
financial systems, from our societies, from like whatever's happening, like it gives us the ability to say like, I'm not okay with this. I'm taking my ball and going elsewhere. And so I think you're right, Eleanor, to just like thinking about worst case scenarios and like on a country by country or jurisdiction by jurisdiction basis, like we're all at risk. But like the magic of crypto, like I say this to my friends all the time, is I think that there is, I'll call it a 20% chance that in America, full on crypto becomes illegal. Like if you own it, you're screwed. Like I, I believe that's possible. And like my response, see you guys in Dubai, because like 10 years after that, <laughs> America will undo that like horrible hobbling and like try to catch up. And um, yeah, I just, I believe that, I think we all believe that like crypto is like a better system that eventually we're all going to figure out. And we're here early today because um, we hopefully saw the truth before everyone else. That is true. You can have as much centralization as you want, as long as you have this open neutral backup, which is just plain Ethereum, um, which you can exit to, then it's all fine. Yeah. yeah, I think this is going to, uh, with the, as the years go by, I think this option of uh, rage quitting into ETH, uh, it's going to become more and more, uh, like, it's going to prove itself again and again. And I think that a lot of the adoption uh, of, uh, like, this new way of internet and like uh, uh, Rex likes to call it the, the inevitable uh, ETH, like... Uh, you know, like for me, these past uh, even uh, two or three years, okay, like from something that I just know the name of, like Ethereum, and know nothing about, it has officially become like the, and again, not financial advice, but in many ways, it's the form of money that I, I trust most. Because uh, just like uh, Rex just said, uh, when I just hold my ETH, I honestly don't feel uh, that uh, at the moment, at least, anyone can touch it. And uh, on any other scenario, there's always uh, someone that can just like uh, press some kind of a button and say, okay, you know what, uh, whatever uh, asset or money you have there, whatever you call it, uh, you can't move it now. And with ETH, I, I, I just don't feel that uh, they can, at least uh, to, to my knowledge or my opinion. Exactly. Benny and I have a, uh, we have our income with the union and Curve Monitor, and we have a treasury. And there's a lot of regulatory uncertainty because he's from Australia, I'm from Europe. We have a <laughs> American entity, <laughs> and there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, questions about how many how many taxes do we pay, who are we owed what, um, but whatever happens, we have our treasury in DeFi native tokens that are unseizable, unfreezable. There's no bank, there's no government who can who can just yeet or take our funds or freeze them for whatever reason, um, simply while we are figuring stuff out. So we feel kind of safe that, that, that nobody can take it away from us. Yeah, yeah, sure, they have a branch attack and they can tell us to hand over our uh, keys, but that's an entire different question, an entire different story. Can I ask like a theoretical uh, questions? Uh, uh, maybe knows, maybe one of the others, uh, whoever. Like if, for example, they do this experiment and they uh, do this like huge pools of, you know, uh, I don't know, billions of dollars or even trillions of dollars, and they do it in uh, whatever tokenized way that uh, they do fully control, uh, like, for example, uh, you know, USDC and whatever, uh, with blacklist uh, possibilities and whatever. And they do all of a sudden blacklist it. Like, uh, what's the scenario there? How, how, uh, what actually happens if there's such a huge pool and uh, they, they decide to blacklist it for whatever reason or whatever because uh, any kind of suspicious activities or like how do things go, go down after that like the sam kazemian defense 
I'm really asking. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not manifesting. On the contrary, I'm kind of like. Who says that they can't bl- they, they, they can't blacklist it if it's on a pool? Like who, who says it? No, they can. Yeah, our, they can. It's yeah. Our, it's yeah. also um, there's there's um, uh, you you need to understand that the usage of uh, Ethereum and those contracts, token contracts, and the pool contracts is it's it's not something that will be available for uh, for us DeFi users. So they 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 have their wholesale CBDC tokens on chain. And in order to be able to transfer them um, and provide liquidity for that, you need to be whitelisted. And in order to get whitelisted, you need to be a bank. And so they are using this technology, but I would say in, in, in parallel to us being in DeFi. So we would see their transactions um, on chain, but we wouldn't know, um, like, it, it, it's, it's just banks using this technology for now it's it's um it's uh, not really for a solution for us um end users retail clients but um what could emerge from that is maybe at some point banks will uh, tokenize their deposits and bring them on chain and then you would like if, if you have this one legal um with uh, those uh central bank users being tokenized on-chain, you would be able to, in real time, um, see how much reserves this bank has that yeah, issues yeah, their yeah. bank deposits on-chain. So it's um, it will develop from then on. And uh, there will be centralization mechanisms. Um, at, like, I, I don't believe that like 10 years down the road, we, we, we won't have, um, that it will be like an anarchy like <laughs> type of vision. Uh, financial system but um, I think those two worlds will um, coexist like this fully permissionless DeFi stable coins and decentralized stable coins but um, yeah it, it's 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 like the benefit will come from the option of having of, of, of being able to to hold USD in a decentralized and permissionless way or like DeFi tokens and being able like as Eleonora uh, um said it with the with the example but you could also have the option if you don't if you don't care about um like holding maybe a less liquid stable coin and you don't care about centralization mechanisms you're like just an end user that wants to receive your salary you want to pay for groceries and that's it and just continue with your life you could you could use that and you wouldn't even notice that the system behind tradfi changed yeah yeah but then you still have the option to use like permissionless stable coins. Well, so hopefully you're getting yeah. less scams when exchanging currencies. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I think like there's three reasons we like blockchain, right? Immutable, transparent, permissionless. And I think like with the construction that we're talking about is immutable and transparent, but it's not permissionless. But like there's value in those first two. You know, there's so much value in understanding that like hey, all of these merchant banks are solvent. We can't interact with them directly on chain, but we can see it, you know? And so I think um, I have no problem with this like permission centralized construction because first of all, I just care that people burn ETH. (laughs) And second of all, I care about like the other properties that are more than like freedom and access. Like there's more more to this technology than just like, hey, can I use it or not? 
I'm curious to see how transparent it will really be. Though. Yeah, I mean, fair. for example, they are going to mint like a million CBDC tokens. Like, there's going to be audits to ensure that these are all backed, or in the case of fractional reserve, they don't even have to be backed. So, it's going to yeah. be regularly. There's going to be, have to be regular audits as well, uh, yeah. independent audits. No, I mean you're definitely right. And I mean, like we now we're in like the realm of like really what is trust in finance? Because like, look, like if J.P. Morgan literally like who now at this point in history has become like part of the organ of the U.S. government and like can issue basically issue like they are indestructible based on like how the financial system works. Like if they issue tokens, like I don't care if it's audited or not, like they'll be it'll be possible for those to be um, honored in a way that like something like Tether who doesn't have access to like the organs of the internal government, um, like they need to actually be solvent. And so I think as we enter like this BIS conversation and like true like sovereign banks, um, we're entering like a whole different conversation, but um, man, like this is, the institutions are coming, you guys. Like this, it's real. Yeah, it it yeah. Just feels it like a watershed yeah. moment, right? Like this doesn't feel like our classic like reply guy, like such and such random tiny protocol just launched something. This feels like we're onto something big here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's amazing to see that you know uh, they could have uh, made all kinds of experiments on all kinds of places, yet they they've chosen Curve. I'm not saying it as financial advice. I'm not saying it as whatever, but uh, they they choose to uh, to do this experiment on Curve, and I'm sure they have uh, some very good reasons to to do that. Because, like you said, uh, there are some very smart people uh, in the BIS and all these places. You you don't get there if you uh, if you're not uh, pretty smart. Do we actually know why they chose um, for both Ethereum and Curve? Or is it like they just called up Mitch and uh, <laughs> like, yo, how do we use this? I mean, that's going to be... Somebody, has, a... somebody had to be doing research to know what to do in the first place, right? How did so they Mitch, end up here? Mitch was on a BIS panel about a year ago um, where he did a fantastic job and V2 was known at that point. But they do mention specifically in the document that for Project Mariana... Uh, they were looking for things that had certain properties, one of which was to keep slippage constantly around trading prices really small. Um, so the Curve V2 algorithm is really good at that, as well as to look at um, algorithms that could limit the profitability of undesirable trading practices like front running and uh, options to control the cost for liquidity takers through the adjustment of parameters. So, I mean, in theory, you could imagine a universe where they use Uniswap V3, um, but it just doesn't quite make sense because you need some, you know, Uniswap v3 is uh, some issues around slippage. Um, it can't really process like massive, quick, volatile changes without LPs having to rebalance liquidity yeah. actively. Uh, you know, they wanted like um, on some level like a commoditized solution, and this is, I, but yeah, by no means is, is the algorithm like a commodity at this point. But it is able to like passively handle like massive volatility and fluctuations. Uh, on chain, it just sits there and like chugs along. We've seen V2 algorithms handle Bitcoin, Ethereum price pumps, price dumps, and it catches up in like real time. So there's something here. I don't, I think also, it's totally reasonable to think that like Mitch is involved. You know, he was on a panel, mm -hmm. like, 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 I, he's probably contributing to the research. Like, I, you know, I, they're not, they're not inviting him to speak and quoting him if they're also planning on screwing him, right? Like, yeah. it's yeah. much easier to work with him. Yeah. Also, Sorry, those, those, uh, those are like if you would use Uniswap, you would have 
in in the case of the Project Mariana example, you would have two pools, um, yeah, three pools, sorry, and uh, which would lead to like fractured liquidity. So you would have, like, in order to achieve the like the same, you would need to deposit more in central bank reserves in all of those three pools, but you could deposit less and achieve the same efficiency uh, in in the swap process if if you have it all in, in one. So well, you're gonna, have uh, awesome. you're gonna have fractured liquidity with Curve too, right? You're not gonna have one pool with twenty assets in it. It's just not feasible. Yeah, yeah sure, sure. Right sure, but at least three, three uh, or four, um, like a four pool, maybe with uh, the US dollar. Like this is not unreasonable. And, oh yeah, uh, yeah. A CBDC meta pool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was gonna say like we need a we need a Curve governance proposal for like <laughs> the the gov the government um, construction. <laughs> well, if they need to have a proposal passed, I am uh, bribable, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, uh, I mean, the, the elephant in the room, you know, like. I think we all uh, like agree that it's it's incredibly possible that they don't touch Curve. They just launch this on like a private Onyx thing and like send Mitch some fees. But, you know, let's also consider there's a outside chance they decide why would we try and like rebuild this if the curve v2 pools on ethereum handle everything we need and they decide it's just like why not use the infrastructure that's already there like companies make build versus buy decisions all the time and uh, this would seem like a clear-cut case where if like the smart brains look at it they're like there's no downside for us to using it like we can still keep the coins kyc and permissioned and like mostly accessible to banks uh, so they would have like whatever like legal issues they need to to resolve uh handled on that side of things in terms of like the exchanges that like um mm -hmm. could redeem the coins and the infrastructure is just right there they can launch their own v2 pool in seconds so yeah and it will, is... it will also be tested by them you know because uh, they're testing curve they're not testing their own uh fork uh, so if they uh, st uh, decide they want to fork it and do, do it something else they're going to have to do another uh whole line of testing uh, again and who knows if it's going to work as well so i think uh, on the contrary it's going to be if the if this experiment works uh, in a few years time it's not or maybe even less it's much easier for them to decide okay let's start deploying uh, real capital here because this specific infrastructure actually works and tested and i think <laughs> i know it's not going to be easy for them to decide to uh, to do it elsewhere it's not going to be an easy decision yeah We've seen so many examples of like people trying to fork curve and not understanding the math and it just like going horribly. So <laughs> I don't, if you're looking for like signal out of this, not financial advice, like I think the, all you can take is that like institutions are coming and volume is coming and we don't know when that is. I, I think like it's really, really hard to say that like just because some institution ran one test means like anything for a specific protocol but i do think it means something for like the industry as a whole especially as it's a test in prod and that's not yeah. a cheap test so if you are testing in prod it sh at least shows commitment to the cause yeah for sure for sure and i wouldn't be surprised to see like even if we do end up seeing this um marinara meatball sub on curve like they still do a test on balancer just to check it out you know and they do it they try to do the multi-pool construction on uni v3 because like honestly it would be irresponsible not to yeah. <laughs> and and i think what's exciting about this but not just curve like you say balancer and like every amm and all of our bags is that crypto is still small like the uh, uh settlements industry is trillions of dollars the 
and that's the settlements industry alone. Imagine like all the other like massive in, like industries. And meanwhile, like crypto's entire market cap is like what one or two trillion. Like crypto as an entirety is small compared to like this massive ocean of liquidity that exists in the TradFi yeah. system. Once it starts leaking into DeFi, like we're talking about every protocol like growing monumentally, like potentially thousand x. Not financial advice, of course. So super. <laughs> What you're trying to say is we're still early. Yeah, we're still early. <laughs> uh, in my country, we call this copium. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, right. like it might it might also be the case that like uh, TradFi like builds this on Onyx and like it like suffocates DeFi out of existence because all the activity happens there. Like who but knows? See, like, like I I really believe whether it's for the nose reasons of like hey the um like the technology can fail like centralized stuff is like less resilient and therefore like people will opt into Ethereum or if you go the my route which is like these countries are realizing like we need neutral um, alternatives. Like I really believe that even if JP Morgan wants to create this like completely separate siloed thing, like the inevitable conclusion is ETH is like humanity's base layer for settlement. Like that's what we're building. It's owned in common. Like I don't, I can go on and on and on. I actually wrote a website about this. Like I just <laughs> think that this is, um inevitable and it, and um again i have no problem with jp morgan with the cia with the se like as long as people are building that is bullish because eventually i think whatever is being built will settle to eat and really will burn eat <laughs> okay 100%. knows knows you're the guest of honor why don't you uh give us any kind of concluding or parting thoughts any like you know any like big picture stuff uh any like ideas that you've been in the back of your mind that you'd like to kind of get out to the audience mm, i'm like I'm, I'm gonna say you've basically um like mentioned it all uh, <laughs> like throughout the course of this uh interview of this panel discussion so um yeah there's not not a lot to add i must say so it's um we <clears throat> Maybe maybe one thing um, is is uh, is patience. So yep, yep. Um, everything happens much much faster. And there's this is like the saying that uh, one month in DeFi is uh, <laughs> six months in real life, which is uh, certainly true. Um, maybe even more true in in bull markets where there are more active developers. But um, um, we know how slow paced um, TradFi is, and um, that like until we see the first. Um, central bank digital currency available for retail clients it will be probably in 2027 2028 before that we might see solutions that are maybe available to banks only mm -hmm. but maybe involve will involve the use of uh, of mainnet um or like i don't know there's also um there were also articles about like zero knowledge uh, mm -hmm. uh solutions because you like you would have to comply with banking secrecy um laws and whatnot and um so it will all take time and um, it might not happen in the next bull market, maybe not in the in the second cycle from now on, but um, maybe six, seven, eight years down the road, it will uh, mature. And uh, yeah, this is maybe the last thing I would uh, I would add patience. And here I'll I'll add one more thing to hammer home your point. So yesterday, the the week that the first Republic Bank went down, I was approved to move my assets over. And so 
Uh, it's been about a month and a half now, and I just met with them today or yesterday. And what I said to them is, hey, look, like, I just need to be clear. Like, I have a lot of money in crypto, and I hope to make a lot more. Is that going to be a problem? And she was like, are you asking if Uncle Jamie thinks it is going to kick you out? And I was like, essentially, yeah. And she said, that is absolutely not a problem. We don't have lists like that here. Like, if you, like, and you know, whatever, this is sales stuff. But point is, like... <laughs> It is so easy to experience like the news and these lawsuits as like the ends of times. And like, um, I just, I hope that everyone is also watching like the enthusiasm that like the real adults have for what we're building at the same time. And um, you just gotta keep your eyes open and you gotta know like what's noise and what's signal. And like, again, I, I, I have not been this bullish on like the technology that we're building since like before Doquan, before like my innocence was ripped out of me. <laughs> Institutions are coming. Nations are getting flippant. It is June 29th. This has been Leviathan News. Thank you, Nose. Thank you, Alanara. Uh, please come back and chat with us anytime. Yeah, Until the next tide. Thank you.